Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher. A uh, very, very special episode this week as we are all quarantined in our homes. No one's going anywhere unless they absolutely have to, uh, especially here in New York. Um, and, you know, as I've been saying for weeks now, I've just been here in my apartment uh, listening to my neighbors. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's been the uh, entertainment uh, so far. But we are going to have a special guest this week. It's the uh, founder uh, the original gangster TPE. Uh, you know him and you love him. He's Killing Bird, Derek Tenbush. Derek, how are you? What's up, Clayton? I'm doing pretty well, I have to say. Uh, and it sounds like you're holding up fairly well, and I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I've even been playing some online poker, which is nice. uh, you know something that I don't really do a lot. But <laughs> it's been kind of fun. You know, It's nice to use that part of my brain a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. Well, at least it keeps you occupied, too. I was actually just having a conversation uh, with my wife earlier today about the fact, like, you know, it's tough for us right now, like it is for everybody. Like, you're stuck inside. You can't really go anywhere. Um, you know, the nightlife that I'm used to living is non-existent at the moment. But we at least have, you know, a relatively big home, a backyard. We can just walk right out our front door and walk the dogs like I, and we were saying i can't fathom you know we used to live in new york city i'm like i can't fathom if we had to be in the apartment we lived in in new york city <laughs> back in 93 <laughs> or whatever it was i think i would be going much more insane if that were the case yeah i mean i don't have the smallest apartment in new york but people that live other places if they saw my place they would be like how do you live in such a small place? <laughs> but the standards here in the city are way different than they are everywhere else in the world. So, yeah, uh, yeah what's considered a big apartment in New York would be absolutely unlivable in a place like North Carolina or whatever. <laughs> right. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'm surviving. And, you know, I'm just happy that uh, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. You know, pretty much everyone that I'm close to is fine. I know a couple of people that have had coronavirus. Actually, my manager, my entertainment manager, uh, oh, had it, but he's fine. He was in the hospital for a few days. He's you know 100% recovered. I also know a couple of comedians who got it, and I'm happy to say they're all fully recovered. So uh, this thing is very serious, and a lot of people aren't so lucky. So you know, I, I don't think that being on house arrest, if you will, is the worst possible punishment when there are people out there who are actually suffering and like you say Derek we have uh, something interesting to do I mean you know poker definitely keeps me keeps my brain busy and keeps me sharp so yeah uh, yeah know. and I've had the I've had the good fortune too. you know I've talked about it on past streams you know or on past podcasts I have my twitch stream too so that is kind of my social circle right now you know like if I'm if I'm feeling a little closed in I'm like I'll just jump on twitch and I can talk to 30 people who I know relatively well you know for not having ever met them um so yeah we count our blessings certainly every day we're all healthy family's been healthy um my mom it's interesting because my mom is actually a respiratory therapist mm. uh, in, a, in a hospital so she's kind of you know right on the 
the front lines, but she also works in a very small hospital. They've only had four cases, and three of them basically came in, she intubated them, and then they um, helicoptered them to a larger hospital. So, you know, she's even though she is certainly more in the line of fire than me, um, she's relatively safe. So, yeah, we're just kind of, you know, being happy that, that we're all safe and trying to help out other people where we can. You know, we we as a family have really been focusing on trying to buy local products and um, and support local businesses and stuff like that. And um, as we've talked about before, I, I work with a distillery where we we're actually able to find a way to shift our production over to making hand sanitizer instead of bourbon. So uh, my only times really leaving the house have been to go deliver that to uh, various you know hospitals and fire departments and police stations and stuff. So that's been my that's been my social activity outside of Twitch for the last <laughs> you know four weeks. I've just been rubbing bourbon on my hands. Is that wrong? Am I doing it wrong? <laughs> I actually was reading something about that, and it was saying it has to be a certain proof, which bourbon is not. Oh. Uh, but the doctor they asked did say it's better than nothing. Better than nothing. Okay, I'll take <laughs> so, it. <laughs> so, yeah, you're doing the right thing. Okay. But just make sure you drink a little too while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Uh, that goes without saying. <laughs> so uh, it's a kind of a big day, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, so tonight at midnight marks the 10-year mark from the minute we turned the switch on uh, at tournamentpokeredge.com. Now, we're recording this on Thursday, April 16th, so the flip was switched as it turned the 17th, or is it the 17th to the 18th? Uh, as it turned the 17th. Wow, okay, so yeah, this is a very perfect uh, day for us to be uh, recording, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and I, it's funny, because the reason I always remember the date is not so much because it's when we launched, as much as it is that basically a year after we launched was Black Friday. Right. So that always just kind of reminds me, okay, it was around the 15th, and then I just kind of have to think about it in my head. I'm like, okay, it was the next day, but it was at midnight, and then it all comes together for me. So, yeah, didn't – you know, I had I had originally had all these great plans of, like, throwing a big 10-year anniversary party at the World Series of Poker, um, even though it would be, like, a month and a half late or whatever. But, uh, you know, it was going to be this, like – basically the TPE meetup on steroids. Um, but I don't anticipate that being a thing that happens at this point. I mean, I guess we, you still never know. In fact, that was, it was actually something I was going to ask you because I've asked a few of my other poker friends um, about the World Series of Poker, and my, you know, I'm wondering if they announce tomorrow, hey, whatever happens, we're going forward, or our plans, at least as of now, are to go forward with the schedule as it stands. Like, would you even still go? I mean. I'm undecided. I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> you know, like I really want to go to the World Series of Poker, but it seems so close to Vegas essentially being completely shut down. Um, and it's the worst possible place to be, maybe, <laughs> for something like this. Well, they, there is uh, that is the official statement. They said we're monitoring it uh, minute by minute. It's changing all the time. But as of now, they said this a few okay. weeks ago. The plan is to go forward as scheduled. Uh, they talked about how they won't be able to reschedule it, uh, or it might be hard to reschedule it um, just logistically because, as you know, Vegas is uh, the number one convention center in the world. And so uh, if they try to do it on another date, everything else that's already been canceled, they're trying to reschedule their stuff. And the World Series is seven weeks of you know just locking up the whole convention center area at the Rio, so that would be 
really hard to find another seven weeks, uh, kind of depending on what else gets canceled. But if other things are getting canceled, there's probably a reason for that. You know? <laughs> so right. Maybe that they should take their cue from that. I mean, uh, I heard about a convention that's there in August that's already been canceled. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So some people that know something seem to think that this isn't going to be uh, free and clear anytime soon. So right. it does seem like things are getting a little better, at least in my city, uh, where they said, you know, the rate at which they are taking new patients at the hospitals is slowing down. But that's mm-hmm. partly because, you know, if you walk around New York City's a ghost town. And I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, I walked through Times Square and I've never, ever seen it. It was eerie. Like I just there were no people at all in Times Square, yeah. which is just literally never the case. Four o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, there will be people in Times Square. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and any other normal circumstance. So, uh, yeah, who knows? I, If I had to place a bet right now, I would bet that the online events are going to happen and that several other online events will be added and that all the live events will just end up not happening this year, mm-hmm. which really makes me sad. As everyone knows, this is the thing I look forward to the most each and right. every year, even more than any of my comedy shows or any of the other cool things that I get to do on my calendar. I love the World Series so much. It's just, you know, I feel like it's Disneyland and Christmas morning and everything you love all in one. <laughs> I just love it. You know, not just because I've had success. I mean, even in years when I've gone there and lost whatever bankroll I brought with me, all of it, I still come home and say, man, that was really fun. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it it'll be interesting too because if they do do something like that where they, they they do the existing online events and they add some, I assume they would add the main event. But yeah, then that I makes guess. me wonder, like like will there forever be an asterisk next to that main event? You know, because right. is, is it the same really? You know, uh, unless I mean unless they can find a way to make it last nine days, I just don't feel like it's the same level of endurance needed. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just wouldn't be, be the same. Yeah, it would be more like the W Coop or whatever other prestigious online series there are. You yeah, know, you know, it just it won't really be like. And you know, for me, it's it's just the whole thing with the ESPN, and you know, we yeah. had some good momentum going. Poker Go, it's like yeah, but you know, this is true of so many industries. The two industries that I'm in, <laughs> comedy and poker, is like well, a lot of people together in a room. And so, uh, you know, it's been really odd for me to just be uh, so alone um, during this time. But it's it's fine. Um, you know, like I say, I, I try to count my blessings. It could be a lot worse. And I hope that it doesn't get a lot worse. But as far as the the series this summer, you know, a few months ago, I, I thought, you know, my eyebrow my eyebrows raised a little bit when Timex, Mike McDonald, was offering 20 to 1, mm-hmm. like in January, that there would be no bracelet events, uh, no live bracelet events in Vegas this year. He was offering 20 to 1. Yeah. And that was well before even the first case of coronavirus hit America. So, um, but I know that guy, Mike McDonald, Timex, he's really smart. And I'm yeah. not in the habit he, he of betting make, against he, him. Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't make too many bets. Like basically, I have a rule: if Timex ever hit me up and said, "Hey, I want to bet you on this," my answer is just no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to hear the odds or the event. I'm just like, nope, I'm out. You've probably saved I'm, a lot of money <laughs> by not. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go find a sucker. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, he kind of either predicted it or had information or just, you know, saw what was happening globally. And, you know, he just knows a lot about a lot. And when he said that, that was when I first started saying, well, I hope he's wrong, but I'm certainly not going to take the bet. (laughs) And now it looks pretty good for him. The silver lining of all this, if there is one, uh, as far as poker goes, is that uh, online poker has been amazing. Uh, yeah. I think you, I know you were talking to Katie Stone a little bit. I think that was the one you were talking about it on. Um, Definitely, like yeah, the, because the she's in Jersey. Games. Yeah, this is the second. Po- I mean, we always talked about what will it take to get a second poker boom, like main event or maybe it's a female winning the main event. You know, we always kind of just like, wow, what would be really good for poker? And it turns out that what's really good for at least online poker is a pandemic, <laughs> which is a sad thing to have to do, you know, to have happened for poker to blow up. But man, the games are just—I mean, there's like there's like 50k tournaments, 50k guaranteed tournaments online that are like double and tripling the guarantees. And I've seen more people in tournaments than I've ever seen, and I've seen more less skilled players in the games than I've seen in five years. So, yeah. If there's ever been a time that you've you know thought about playing online poker, now would be the time to do it. And that's really been a big impetus for me uh, to get back involved. I mean, I really don't enjoy playing online poker that much um, because you know I'm a very social person. I like to talk. Anyone who saw me play on TV, like you know, I like to talk and joke around with my opponents, and like to me, that's the joy of poker is like sitting there and looking at him. And, trying to figure out what he's trying to get me to do and you know like that's all that is missing in the online game which becomes kind of essentially more mathematical i mean sure you can do well usually he bets faster this time Mm -hmm. he took longer you know but you know 99 percent of all your available uh visual information tells and whatnot is just absent because the online game and because that's the part of the game that i enjoy the most uh you know, it's almost like having a desk job, sitting at my computer all day playing. Right. Uh, <laughs> a pretty fun like I job. Like I might as well be an accountant. Yeah, right. I mean, accountants don't get to gamble all day. It's more like being a, like an options trader or something. There right? we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're still like staring at a screen all day and and all that. But uh, I I did want to get involved again because first Elliot Rowe and then Katie Stone and then Jason Smith. Everyone keeps saying online is back. Online is great right now and uh, you know, I've been dabbling a little bit. I even did a, a little Twitch stream, which was kind of a fail because my laptop isn't strong enough to handle it. <laughs> I need oh, a better yeah. computer, yeah. <laughs> but I tried. You know, I tried to to Twitch uh, stream for a little bit, and I had like seven or eight people watching, which was pretty cool. Um, nice. One guy commented, it was almost like having a live TPE podcast. <laughs> uh. As I was talking about my hands, I guess it reminded him of when we do strategy on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've. I've been having some fun. I've been going pretty deep in a couple of tournaments, and I have, I have tried um, ACR specifically before in the past, and I always found it like impossible, like unbeatable. Like everyone on there seemed to be playing at an expert level, and uh, that is not the case at the moment. Yeah, things have it's gotten been, a lot uh, better. <laughs> I and I didn't believe it at first, like. I don't know, maybe a week into it or something. Like a lot of my other friends were saying, dude, are you seeing how good these games are? And I'm like, yeah, I haven't really noticed it yet. And then, I don't know, just like within a week or a week and a half after that, I was, I was telling them all the same thing. Like, okay, oh, yeah, you were right. You were right. <laughs> the games are back. And yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Like I said, an unfortunate reason for it. 
but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we're poker players. We gotta gotta make our money somehow. So sure. So what can you Get tell us about ACR? I mean, uh, just kind of generally, can you talk a little bit about ACR and whether you have found it to be a fair game? Is there trouble getting your money? Does the server so always I, crash? Those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. So I and I always preface everything by like because I'll have friends hit me up about this on the side too, and I always preface it by saying, look, I'm an ACR stormer. I, I you know I get compensated to to stream their games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also let people know that I was playing 90% of my volume on ACR before that became the case. And that probably so helped I've you get that job, game. right? You were already on there, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've always been a fan of the site. They have certainly had their issues, uh, particularly with software and server crash um, problems. Uh, that seems to have gotten better, although they did have a quick blip down today. But, you know, it used to be like you could pretty much mark your clock by the site crashing, you know, like a year <laughs> ago or whatever. Like it'd be like and, – and I'm lucky because I don't play a ton of Sundays and that's the biggest – traffic day for them sure. so it tended to happen on sundays and i'd always just be like well i'm sitting here watching football eating a pizza and drinking a beer you guys are all frustrated because you you know the servers crashed um so that seems to have leveled out a little bit and it's getting it seems to be getting better and better every day um the one thing that i can say has never been an issue for me is cash outs um they've always been relatively quick considering you know we're not in a regulated market um usually around 48 hours I did, in you know, in all fairness, I will say I just had one take about four days, but that's the longest. That's actually the longest one I've ever had. Um, everything else has been 24 to say, you know, 72 hours, somewhere in that range. So cool. pretty quick cash outs. Um, in terms of fair play, it's tough for me to say, and I it, like I say this only half joking. I put back a few beers on my stream while I'm playing. <laughs> I know. So there was, <laughs> yeah. So there's like, sometimes like I, I've actually had viewers like it cause well, I'll preface this by saying, um, ACR and, and many other poker sites have some bot issues. Um, you know, where there's poker bots basically playing on the sites. Um, I'm not an expert in them at all. And I don't worry too much about them because I play primarily tournaments. Um, so I don't feel like I can just get sat by a bot, you know? Right. You know, because they see me sitting there. and um, So I've had people in my Twitch stream who are watching me and going, dude, that guy two to your left is a bot. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, how do you know that? He's like, well, you know, he it always times down to the exact halfway mark before he bets, blah, blah, and all these other things. And I'm like, dude, I would never notice that in a million years. Um, but again, you know, like I said, Every site, to my knowledge, like you can go to a website who sell these bots, and it'll say what they're, they advertise for. They'll be like, oh, here's a bot for poker stars. Here's a bot for party poker. Here's a bot for ACR. <laughs> so they exist on every site. Um, for some reason, ACR gets kind of ripped for it a lot. But and, and I don't. And again, I'm not an expert on it. Maybe it's easier on their site. Maybe it's not. No idea. Um, but I've never felt like I was getting colluded against or. Well, I did have one time in a satellite, but it was literally just like two guys who kind of seemed to dump chips to each other. But again, that can happen on either, any site. But I've never really felt like I was in any way getting cheated or that the RNG was rigged or anything like that. Um, and I mean, I have so many hands in my database. Like I could easily go, yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, I always lose with aces or it's always a setup. I have to, you can just go in and be like, oh yeah, well, I lose with aces the exact percentage of time I'm supposed to lose with aces, you know. Um, right, so, so yeah, there's I, software you can use now for those who might not be 
like well even people like me like i i'm familiar with online poker i used to play heavy volume like i mean in the old days i'm talking when party poker was in the u.s um i used to play on paradise poker i was on this site called poker room we're talking like the early days of online poker i was one of the um original grinders um and then you know i really stopped playing after black friday and didn't miss it at all so i mean when i say that i'm new to online poker i mean new to this world of online poker where we have to worry about things we never worried about then there was no such thing as a hud when i used to play you know like there were no bots certainly uh the game was on the up and up um you know technology has come very far and you know with that comes the ability of people to you know i guess data mine or otherwise collect information so there are programs that you can get where you can look at all of your hands right and see what your expectation was and your actual results do you recommend one of those programs over another, or do you think they're all pretty much the same? Um, I think they're, sem- they're pretty much the same. Um, I mean, the two big ones are Hold'em Manager and Poker Tracker. I use Poker Tracker mainly be well, honestly, mainly because that's what my backers use. So when we want to review hands and stuff like that, it's just easier for us to have the same software. Sure. But I do prefer it for things like reviewing your hand histories. The HUDs operate essentially the same i mean there's really not a whole lot of difference between them so the you know, the act and for people who don't i always forget some people might not understand a hud but so yeah a hud is basically just a set of numbers overlaid on your online poker table that give you information on the player and that information is only information that well unless you've data mined but i don't do that um it's just the information that you've gained from playing against that player so how often they raise how often they call how often do they see bet how often do they fold to a c bet etc um, so yeah, the HUDs for both of those two are pretty much the same. It's really just the functionality behind that. Um, so if I were to recommend one, I would go with Poker Tracker because it just happens to be what I use. Uh, but you're fine with either. Right, and then you can go back later and basically answer the question: Am I being cheated? Right, because the the Poker Tracker program is showing you this is how many times you've had aces and this is how many times you lost. Right. Yeah. And so if yeah. you have and, enough hands, I mean, if you have 100,000 hands or something, you're probably not going to see anything that's that far outside of just standard deviation, right? Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to have little blips where it's like, wow, I ran really bad for like a week or whatever. But then you're going to have a week where you ran really good. And then, you know, it's just going to eventually just kind of all evens itself out as it should mathematically. Um, and, you know, you'll see a lot of people who complain, like, I run so bad on there. They're like, okay, well, let's see your database for the last two years. You know, let's take a look at, at it and see if you really do run bad. And I've yet to see anybody provide their database. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, nobody, like nobody ever looks at it and goes, yep, got the evidence right here, going to provide it. It always just ends with that question you know well it's like Uh, you say you could have a week where you run great and a week where you run really bad which mm -hmm. week do you think you're going to (laughs) remember exactly (laughs) yeah and it'll be interesting too to look at it over this period that we're in right now because i think for a long time like i have i'm like pretty much a a break-even to slightly losing player who occasionally binks something generally on acr because I think it's a really tough site. It's the toughest American site for sure. I don't think you'll find any American players who who argue otherwise. Ignition, um, Bet Online, Global, those are all softer sites, or they were anyway. Um, but now I think that's going to change. So like I've already 
started, you know, I've found myself at three or four final tables during this time. I had my first like decent sized bink in probably a month and a half or two, um, just like a week or two ago. What happened? So, Tell us. What did you What did you bink? Uh, so it was a, a sixteen fifty buy an eight k guaranteed, um, which. It's pretty standard for what they're kind of running right now. There's a lot of like between six and fifty-five dollar tournaments with guarantees between you know anywhere from four k up to like fifty k. Wow. Um, so kind of a middle of the road kind of tournament, but it was a really fun one. Uh, and I ended up actually heads up against a member of my stream, which kind of made it fun. Um, and and then to make it even better. Mark, well, it was actually a great story. I, f- I forgot about this story. Um, we needed a, a series. I wanted to do a new series for Tournament Poker Edge. Me and Mark wanted to you know, kind of do a coaching session, but also record it and, and put it up on TPE. Um, and I hadn't had any really good results lately, so I'm like, man, I don't have really a good deep run to like review. I got nothing. And he's like, all right, well, I guess you just have to win something. Today. Yeah, go get one. <laughs> yeah. And I said, all right, I tell you what, I will. I, whatever I have to do, I will get a top three finish tonight. I'll, I'll sit, I'll fire as many tournaments as I have to to get a top three finish. And so the whole time, he kind of he put it out on Twitter. He said, hey, you know, make sure you tune into their extreme. Uh, I've challenged him to a top three finish, et cetera. And everybody started responding, like, I'll take the under. No no chance he could do it. All this kind of giving me a hard time. And then as I started to get closer, you know, I was like, hey, guys, I'm two of 22 in this tournament. And then it was like, oh, I'm five of 17. You know, this could be the one. And I just kept tweeting updates like every 30 minutes or so. Um, and then when I got to the final four, um, I think I kind of started to knit up a little bit because I was like, I got to get a top three. And there was no <laughs> bet or anything. It was just like a, you know, just a personal challenge. I'm like, I got to get a top three. And uh, Mark actually texted, I can't remember if he texted me or Skyped me. And he's like, he's like, hey, don't worry about the challenge anymore. Just win this fucking tournament. Awesome. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so we went on to ship it, and and actually that series is live on TPE right now, so people could go check it out. It was really really a fun tournament. There's some really interesting hands in there as well. Very cool. Well, congrats on the bank. So thank you, thank you. What do you win? Like a thousand dollars, something like that. I believe it was uh, twelve eighty. I think so. You turned sixteen dollars and fifty cents into twelve eighty. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, a, ni- a nice little rebound, especially because I said I was like I kind of had been on a little bit of a downswing. So I never, I always get nervous when I get to the point where I have to ask Mark and mo- mostly Mark, but also Ben, who's my other back. I, I get nervous when I'm, I'm like I might have to ask for a reload pretty soon. Nah. I mean, it's just it just hurts my soul, you know. I'm like oh, I really don't I don't want to be the guy who has to call up and ask for a reload. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, I mean, yeah, you- I and mean, we had a couple more final picks since then. Well, that's really cool. Um, I mean, that's yeah. the business arrangement they signed up for. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're backing people, and we talked about backing a lot on this podcast, but you know, any backer knows that sometimes you have to send the guy more money. I mean, as long as he's playing well or whatever. But, yeah, I think it's interesting to, to back somebody who likes to get drunk <laughs> while he's playing. <laughs> Might not be the best business decision by Mark, but that's okay. Yeah. We, always, we always joke about it because he says – he says, I actually think you play better with about two beers in you. Oh, yeah. But you definitely don't play better with about 12. Right. And I'm like, okay, good information. Good information. Somewhere between two and 12 is the sweet spot, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because I think I'm a little bit of a – and I get crap for this all the time. I, I am a little bit of a nit by nature. 
Um, like I'm the opposite of you. If I were like 60 people left in the main event, I'd be like, I'd be looking at the uh, payout structure going, okay, so how much longer do I have to wait to make another 20 grand? Okay, cool. That's how long I'll wait. <laughs> and you're just over there going, who are the guys who are looking at the yeah exactly to figure yeah. out how long they can wait and how and what and how am I going to attack them? <laughs> yeah, couldn't be more opposite as far as uh, philosophy there. But you know, I admit freely that I don't pay enough attention to ICM. I just I want to win. I want first place, and I'm willing to risk missing out on twenty thousand here, fifty thousand there to try to win eight million. And it's just that's I I do that to a fault. And I admit freely that that's something I'm working on, like trying to be a little more cognizant of, you know, there's real money like folding is often profitable in tournaments and you could still try to win the tournament later, you know. Uh, So, yeah, I've learned I'm learning more and more every day about ICM. And that's something that I've I've gotten better about. Uh, but I'm still definitely more towards the, uh, all right, who can I exploit? <laughs> Who's really trying to jump <laughs> <Right>. the ladder? <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think the answer is definitely somewhere in the middle. It's just a matter of finding that middle ground. And, of course, you need to change gears, too. Like, that's a lot of it, too. Is it's, it, it's not that you play in the middle the whole time. Sometimes you go into your mode, sometimes you go into mine, and sometimes you ride down the middle. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you said that, actually, because, uh, you know, sometimes people, like, they kind of see my reputation um, you know, I kind of am known as a faster player, a little more aggressive. And I like to put everybody to a test all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And just because that's my reputation doesn't mean – I mean, there's no way I could turn a profit playing that way 100% of the time. Uh, first of all, if people know that's your reputation, you can't do it as much because they're more likely to call you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a higher bluffing frequency than the average grinder, so I, I will get more action. Um, so I need to adjust and it, you know, poker is always a cat and mouse game. Um, but sometimes people are surprised when they see me play and especially when they see how tight I am from early position, probably tighter than a GTO bot or most, um, you know, coaches or solvers would tell you to be. It's just one of the adjustments that I make to my game because it's just much easier to exploit people with aggressive plays when you're in position. So mm-hmm. I sacrifice some of the EV of opening a hand like, say, king-queen suited under the gun. Now, at many tables, unless it's a really soft table, I'd probably just go ahead and fold that hand from first position where you know, I'm sure that most of the solvers out there and most of the uh, GTO guys would tell you, like, it's an open, it's a clear open. I'm like, well, it's clear to me that I, I can get beat a lot doing that and whatever profitability there is from a marginal open under the gun i'm willing to just miss out on that profitability for the sake of being able to have greater control of the overall macro situation mm-hmm. in right. the long run it's just part of my philosophy so sometimes when people see me play they're like oh i was expecting you to play 100 percent of the hands and keep three betting and four betting endlessly i'm I mean, <laughs> i'm not gus hansen circa 2004 <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's not what i'm doing at all but uh yeah i definitely have a you know just my natural style is uh, a little bit faster than what most players are doing and if i see that someone really seems to have an affinity for folding, then my aggression goes even higher than it normally is. But by the same token, if I'm up against a bunch of unbluffables, I'm just going to fold. You know, like one of the televised WSOP hands 
um, from the main event 2018, I had like three incredibly loose players on my immediate left. And I was tighter at that TV table than I would normally be at any World Series of Poker table. Yeah. Just because. Yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to try to like, <laughs> you know, plow your way through these guys who just never fold. Um, that is a recipe for disaster. So <laughs> yeah. uh, try not to do that. But anyway, um, all this poker talk makes me want to do some poker talk. Do you have a strategy hand for us? I do. Before I get into that, I just did want to throw out one other bit of information. Oh, uh, speaking of 10-year anniversary and speaking of America's Card Room, we are running a private tournament on America's Card Room on Sunday, April 19th, which will be about two days after this goes live. So hopefully a bunch of people will have heard it by then. Um, it's up in our forums as well. We've put it out on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So hopefully we've reached most of you with the information. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be Sunday, April 19th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it's on America's Card Room, which I know there's going to be some people who are like, oh, well, I, you know, I live in Canada and I play on Stars or Party Poker. That's not really convenient. But we tried to do something that it, that would allow everybody to play, including me, for example, <laughs> um, and all of our American members. So we thought that that was probably the best option. Um, so for people who don't have an account, you know, you can you can open one up. Uh, if if you don't want to make a deposit because you just don't want to put a bunch of money on a site you're not going to plan, just uh, you know message me on Twitter or something. I'll send you a buck sixty five, and you can buy me a, a beer or something next time I see you. Look, you know, whatever. We'll we'll find a way to because you could do player to player transfers on ACR. So I'll make sure to get you. Uh, in the tournament, as long as a thousand of you don't hit me up, I can't send you that much. But um, so yeah, so it's gonna be fun. You know, we're gonna have a bunch of the TPE pros playing. Uh, Big Dog is gonna play in it with us. You know, Mark, me, Diego. Who, you know, basically, uh, I'm inviting everybody uh, to come. If you're a former TPE member, current TPE member, or a listener of this podcast, you are essentially welcome. So uh, it is gonna be a little tricky. Because the way that ACR sets up their private tournaments is they're what they call on-demand, which means that the tournament starts as soon as six people enter. So I can't just give out the password. Otherwise, I'd love to just give it to you guys right here on the podcast or in the forums or whatever. So I've, I'm, what I've tried to do is set it up so that I, that I can give you guys the password in as many places as possible so that I can you know, make it as convenient for everybody listening who wants to play. Um, so I will I will be live on Twitch. Uh, and I'll be broadcasting the tournament on, on my Twitch channel, so I'll provide the password there. Uh, I'll provide it. I'll, I'll drop it into the TP forums. I'll drop it on Facebook, Twitter. I'll basically put it everywhere. Um, about two minutes before the tournament's supposed to start, um, <laughs> and then we all so jump it, in. You know, yeah, so it's a little bit awkward from that standpoint, but it was the one way that we could do it. So, um, you know, it'll basically be kind of a, uh, a tornado for the first, like, three minutes until everybody kind of gets bought in and sat down. Uh, but then it should run nice and smooth from, from there on out. So um, I know that's a lot of information, but if you just go over to the members tournaments section of the forum i put a bunch of details in there uh so that's and, and that's open you can read that even if you're not a current member uh so just head over to tournament poker edge find that in the forums and, and you'll find all the details very cool so before i um i'm gonna try to play that tournament by the way awesome uh, that would this be sunday yeah i was planning on doing some online this sunday uh so yeah why not i'll just add that Extra dollar sixty five to my schedule and see. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, as long as I'm not in like ten other things, you know, it just depends. Like I don't like to have too many tables going. Um, but yeah, that sounds like that sounds great, and it might be fun uh, to play against some of the members. Um, not too much fun to play against 
guys like you and Big Dog and <laughs> Mark, but for a buck, why not? You know, let's see what yeah. happens. Yeah, um, lose so much. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great, and that's cool. So, yeah, so it's been 10 years almost to the minute since uh, the website launched, and I also noticed that the first ever TPE podcast was on October 15th, 2010. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because we waited, like, we had always kind of talked about doing a podcast, but we're like, you know, let's just get the site up, let's get the videos up, kind of get things rolling uh, yeah. before we do one. In, in hindsight, if I could do it all again, I would have started a podcast before we even did the launch the website because, you know, that's just building up more awareness and, and marketing. But, um, but yeah, we did not do that. But, yeah, so, I mean, we're actually coming up on 10 years anniversary of the podcast, too. We should do something special for that, too, when we get to that point. Yeah, um, that'd be fun. Yeah. So I noticed, though, you know, I'm going to give you a pass on not having the podcast going before uh, you actually launch the website because as you read – uh, some of the comments on those first couple of podcasts, uh, TPE members saying stuff like, what exactly is a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> is is this really like a radio comments? show? Yeah. <laughs> and then you oh, have to explain, well, really... a podcast, and here's the Wikipedia definition of it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's very hard to go back in time and say, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Because you forget like what we had or didn't have or what we thought or didn't think back then you know it's almost like when people go back and try to like say that this comedian or that comedian is a piece of trash because he made this joke back in 1978 or whatever you know the thinking was different then people were different then and you know as far as whether people didn't even know what a podcast was a lot of them you know now you and i were early adopters because we were both into poker road i know you know but uh that was the original poker podcast as far as I know. And I was addicted to it. And when that fell off shortly after black Friday is when I originally discovered tournament poker edge podcast, because you used to advertise your website on poker road radio, which was all poker all the time podcast with Joe Stapleton, Ali Najad, Gavin Smith, Joe Seabach, uh, you know, Jeff Madsen. It was a Barry Greenstein, a really uh, like a who's who, of poker kind of podcast. I don't even know if you could have anything like that today. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. you know, things have changed and now everybody knows what a podcast is, but it wasn't like a word that was a household term. 10 very years true. ago. Yeah. So. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. We were probably actually ahead of our time. We just didn't really know it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously some people had done it, but not many there. I mean, at that time there were probably only, I mean, I guess it was, Two plus two, poker wrote it in us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then now there are 7,000 poker podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most of yeah. them only, only release an episode like every month or so. So I don't And they do about. come and go a lot quicker now. I've definitely noticed that. Like somebody will think that sounds like fun and then they'll do it in the last, you know, three months or four months and it just kind of disappears. Yeah. Well, they don't all have a Clayton. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> This and, is, and hey, by the way, I, I and I respect those people too for for not not putting out episodes because as you know, we went through some <laughs> nice like three to six month gaps without an episode too. It's not easy. Like I I definitely like people who throw in the towel. I understand why, and I also have a massive amount of respect for you for like I think missing an episode maybe since maybe once, this all started or yeah. two at the most. Yeah, yeah and I think so. it was because I had a 
on some kind of technical problem the one time that we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm very committed to doing it. And I remember, and the reason why is because I remember 10 years ago uh, listening every week, waiting for it to come out and then like checking my you know, updated uh, subscriptions on, on my podcast. I didn't have iTunes, but I had, I think I've always used Stitcher since it started. I was like the first Stitcher user ever. Um, yeah, and so I would just keep refreshing and refreshing. Where is it? And then if there wasn't one, I would just be so disappointed because I couldn't wait to hear. Back then, there weren't a thousand training sites to use. There wasn't a lot of free content available for someone like me that wanted to learn about poker, but also kind of hear what was going on in poker. Like the very first episode of the podcast you guys talk about backing issues you talk about strategy in the early stages of tournaments and of course your personalities come out if you go back and listen it might be fun because you probably don't remember it's been 10 years now uh you know the way you guys used to interact with each other you know the tone of the podcast has changed a lot because without casey's big personality and just kind of you're always giving everybody a hard time. Like good-natured ribbing, I would say, was definitely a staple of each and every episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, that was just his thing. So, um, but yeah, we we did used to have so much fun on those. It was it was always a blast. Yeah, it was just. And kind then, of like, I would get messages from people, and they'd be like, "Man, like, why, why is Casey being so mean to you?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, no, that's not mean. You you got to understand like the behind the scenes, like." way that we treat each other you know that's like that's like big brother little brother kind of stuff you know yeah well it's just not natural especially in you know male i guess i don't want to be politically incorrect but let's just say generally speaking male culture isn't about mm-hmm. like love and rainbows and flowers it's about, <laughs> hey you idiot <laughs> what's wrong yeah. with you dummy you know? exactly <laughs> and uh yeah that, that, that and i think also to, to some degree i always feel like to some degree we we felt comfortable doing that so that uh, listeners would feel comfortable, maybe not getting berated to that level, but they would at least be comfortable either telling their friend they played a hand bad or not getting upset if their friend told them they played a hand bad. Um, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be quite to the level that we took it, uh, but we would always stress the fact, like, you need to be able to take this kind of criticism because if you don't and you can't, you're just never going to get better. And at the end of the day, it was coming from a place of love where basically he was was a teacher and he's trying to do whatever he could to help you try to motivate yourself to improve your game. And, uh, you know, maybe that's how his father was or I don't know, like what the psychology is of why, (laughs) why, you know, guys tend to treat each other this way. But, you know, I've had some coaching relationships where I help people learn and i you know I'm, i can be a little bit like that you know not in the same exact way but you know i think being a little tough and not accepting some kind of lame excuse for a bad play is a sign of a good coach you you got to think about things when you're mm-hmm. playing poker the the things you aren't thinking about that your opponents are thinking about those things are costing you money and yep. so if I can hammer it into your thick head, <laughs> stop doing that stuff, <laughs> then, you know, I'm actually doing you a favor, although it might be uh, tough medicine to swallow. So uh, with that in mind, let's, yeah, let's uh, jump in. Yeah, let's swallow some medicine here. I don't think I'll be berating you Casey Jarzebeck style, but uh, definitely want to <laughs> hear if you have an interesting hand for us. 
Yeah, so I do have one. This is actually just from a few nights ago. Uh, and I mentioned that I had had some more deep runs since that win the other night. This is actually a, um, a tournament which... Okay, I'm not going to say what happens in this because I don't want to spoil it. Okay, cool. Um, although I might have just spoiled it, but that's okay. It's not a huge factor, but it's kind of an interesting tidbit at the end we'll get to. Okay. Um, so this is the $2 buy-in, 8K guaranteed, um, which is a, a much even a small buy-in for what I normally play. Um, but they run this tournament every day, and it is probably the softest tournament I've seen on the site. And I'm like, you know what? I can fill a, t- a space on my screen with it, and it's an 8K guaranteed. Sure. Well, I'll play a $2 tournament. Let's go. Um, so that's the tournament. We have already built up a nice big stack. Um, we are at 600, 1200, and I have 150K, roughly, to start the hand. All right. And in this hand, we are uh, in the cutoff. So it uh, folds to under the gun one. And he raises to 3,000 off of a stack of 106,000. So he is the second chip leader at the table. Everybody else is relatively short at this table, 40,000 chips or less. Uh, him and I are the only two with over 100,000. Okay, so what do you think is the average stack at this table or uh, in this tournament at that point? Um, I would guess average is probably right around like 40K. Okay, maybe so you 50. guys are both crushing this tournament right now. Yeah, we definitely both have very healthy stacks. Okay, so he raises under the gun plus one, right? So that's yep. second position, nine-handed table, and then it folds to us in the cutoff? Yeah, it folds to us in the cutoff. Just for a little bit of context, um, I actually have a decent decent number of hands on this guy. Okay. Uh, he's, he's running 23-18-7, which is about exactly what I would give like a, like a good average tag player on this site like not necessarily gonna give him credit for being like a a crusher with those numbers but like he's definitely not a fish based on those numbers would be my read you know like he's a good solid player yeah so sometimes i'll make a note of a player like this with those kind of numbers um i don't use a hud at least not yet but um if i notice that a player has that kind of style i might make a note that he's like a generic reg Mm -hmm. he's probably just doing what most pros are doing on the site yeah so i think that's fair all right so that would mean right off the bat that his opening range from his position at this table is probably not very loose yeah i think i'd agree with that i mean i think you know it's probably going to be something like suited broadways up and that might even be a little wide it could even be like king queen suited and up okay um, and then he might open most pairs from here, but let's just call it like sixes plus maybe. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good estimate of his range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he might deviate from that a little bit here and there. You know, it's hard to say how the table was playing at this point. Sure. Um, so if it was a super tight table, he might be a little wider. Hard to say. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good range to to generally put him on so far right like guys like him are probably not going to mix in like a seven five of hearts (laughs) like like we could put all those like one gap suited connectors and probably most suited connectors below eight seven out of his range he probably wouldn't even open eight seven you know where a lot of us will mix that in once in a while with those numbers he's probably not playing those hands at all in this position 
Yeah, I would agree. There's also a couple of uh, reshove stacks to his left. Uh, one guy on 20 bigs and one guy on about 15. So, you know, he's. I, I think he's going to be a little bit tighter. Yeah, because you um, hate to open that situation. with a hand that you can't call those shove stacks with. I mean, you hate to do that. Right. You hate to open and then have to fold when it's going to be a pretty good price with a short stack shoving. So you want to have a hand to call them with. So, yeah, I mean, these are kind of all the reasons why I tend to play so tight from early position anyway mm-hmm. um, for those exact reasons. So, all right, so what do we have? All right, so it folds around us in the cutoff. We have pocket fives. Okay. Speaking of big dog. Yeah, um, there he is. It, you know, I, like, because we're so deep and we would be in position against the original upper, I ain't totally mad at the idea of a three bet here. Um, but we do have three stacks to our left who, while not necessarily reshove stacks, um, they would be people we would have probably be committed to if we were to three bet here. They're basically like 30 big line stacks. Hmm. So I decided to just flat here, play my fives in position, essentially set mining. Although, I mean, we could definitely float some flops, too. Like, if it comes, like, nine, seven deuce or something, maybe we can float one. Um, but, yeah, essentially set mining, uh, especially against a, a guy with 90 big blinds. You know, if we hit a five here and, and he's got aces or something, we can obviously chip up in a big, big way. So Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I like the idea of a three bet at all because you will have to fold or you're just going to be in a horrible spot when one of those, like, 25 30 big blind stack shoves you're like well now i have to call because because i three bet i kind of priced myself into calling and then you're just praying for a flip and sometimes it's going to be much much worse so yeah i think that because of those stacks and because his range is probably pretty tight um to be opening from second position anyway i think it it just makes sense yeah and i think and i think like yeah i think most of the hands that we give him as a as his tightish opening range, he's going to flat our three bet. You know, if he has ace jack suited or he has king queen suited or nines, like all those hands, he's just going to flat us with. And, and yeah, we're in position, but we're just really just bloating a pot where we still need to hit a five <laughs> to get paid, you know, or, or to win. Yeah. Say. Now, I mean, you could go um, a little outside the box with this. I mean, you could three bet really big. Like if you make a standard, what, what I've seen is a standard size three bet now. So what does he make it? Let's just put some numbers on it. What does he make it when he opens here? So it's 3K, which is uh, 2.5X. Okay, so if he makes it 3K, I think the standard 3-bet is something in the neighborhood of like 8, 85. Mm-hmm. If you made it like 12,000 or whatever, uh, then... Yeah, you, that could be interesting. Yeah, then that could put him in, in spots where he can't really call you with ace-jack suited. But, you know, just... Why do you want to do all that with pocket fives? Now you're putting in way too many chips. You're putting in like 10% of your stack with a hand as bad as pocket fives against a guy that's got a pretty tight opening range. And you're also getting mm-hmm. even further committed to the shove stacks on your left. So it's just, you know, there is such a thing as too fancy. I mean, here we should yeah. just call and see a flop. Yep. And I think we're also at a table that is, you know, in a, in a low buy-in tournament where we like to think we are better than the average field. Um so we, I don't feel like we need to be bloating pots and trying to play big pots against the second biggest stack at the table when we can just really chip away at all these smaller stacks. Yeah, um, when you have a so. skill edge, variance is not your friend. Right. So go ahead and call yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, so we call, and the pot is now 8960, uh, and the flop comes king, five, three, two spades. This is a very good flop for us, obviously. Are we heads up here? <laughs> Uh, we are heads up. Yes, everybody okay. else folded. 
right. So we obviously like this flop very much. Um, the original Razor leads out for 44.80, which okay. is exactly half pot. Okay, and so you said it's King 5 Trey with two spades? Uh, correct. Okay, so I guess obviously we're never folding a set. Second nuts <laughs> yeah. is out of the question. So the questions are, should we just call or should we raise? So what bluffs do we have? This is my first question if I'm thinking about raising here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have some bluffs. You know, you could flat with like a seven six, especially a seven six of spades, which now has like a flush draw with a gut shot. Um, you could even bluff raise here with like uh, I don't know something like ace ten with the ace of spades, because you mm-hmm. can certainly barrel again on certain turn cards. Um, so yeah, even I, like ace deuce. Yeah. Well, well I gotta, don't. I don't necessarily think that's a big part of my range or my perceived range. He might think it could be from a, you know, or I should say my flatting range pre. Um, he might yeah. think it is at a $2 table. So, you know, we could have those kind of hands. We could also just have any flush draw. Right. Like queen jack of spades, ace ten of spades, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I definitely think we can have some bluffs here. Yeah. So, therefore, even though it's not the wettest board I've ever seen, because we do have some bluffs, that means we can we can definitely raise here if we want to. The problem with raising here is you're really going to lose him a lot when he doesn't have at least a pair of kings, right? Like, yeah, because we're going to probably scare away queens every, even. every pair yeah. between five and king, basically. Yeah, yeah so that's the They're downside of raises. Right, yeah. I don't think you're going to lose him when he has ace, king, pocket aces, um, you know, those hands, even like a king, queen suited like you said, he might have suited Broadway, so even King Jack suited should probably call because he needs to have some calls in his range or else he's way too exploitable. So you can just bluff and print money every time if he bets half the pot on the flop. You know, A lot of players are thinking this way now, which is really different from when I started playing poker, but now players have to think about balancing. So he can't just fold just because you raise. He needs to have some calls in his range, and I think a good set of hands for him to call you with would be uh maybe like anything with a king or better obviously um and maybe some other hands that have like the ace of spades um and maybe once in a while with pairs like queens or jacks just to see what you do on the turn yep you know but i think he could pretty much fold at least tens nines you know he's got to he's got to throw those hands away yeah a lot so he needs to have some calling hands as well. So the downside of raising is that you're going to lose him a lot. But how bad is that? Right? If we raise him and we lose him because he's only got a pair of jacks and he wants to just throw it away, how much more action were we ever going to get from two jacks anyway? Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, and also... We do have to worry about, you know, let's say he has, I don't know, ace-king of hearts. You know, we do have to worry about, like, another spade rolling off, and then that kills our action some. Maybe not all the time, but somewhat. Um, Yeah, like, you bring up a good point. The hands we scare away, we're probably not getting much action from anyway. Right, those hands are going to check-fold the turn a lot. Mm -hmm. So our best chance to get money from any of those hands is just to see if he wants to be a little stubborn Maybe he noticed you bluff or, or you raising the flop and taking it down 
in another hand that you forgot because you were drunk an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very and, possible. And maybe he has a note on you that you bluff, that you like to raise the flop. So maybe we can yeah. get a little more out of him now. Although he's not going to go all the way to the river with worse than like one pair of kings, I don't think. Right. So we might as well be optimistic. You know, he does have a pretty um, tight, value-heavy opening range uh, from second position. So that he's certainly going to have ace king king queen uh, especially king queen suited in that range possibly even king jack suited um pocket aces these are the hands we're targeting with this raise here and because we can have some bluffs and he might get stubborn and put us on a flush draw or some kind of combo draw with a hand like seven six suited we could have those hands as well in our range so then it makes sense for us to raise now because we can get some action and we're most importantly not going to get further action from hands that are much worse than one pair of kings anyway, right? right? So that's why we need to build this pot now. And most importantly of all, we got to start trying to build a pot because this is a hand to stack somebody with. Yeah, it's a good point because I don't think if we just call here, it's just not it's just not going to set up a turn-sized bet that allows us to get it in on the river. Yeah. Yeah, no. so so I would make the same raise here as I would with like a flush draw, which is like, uh, what does he bet forty four hundred? He bet forty four eighty. Yeah, so I would make it like twelve five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the kind of raise, like about three times his bet, a little less, is what I would usually raise with a flush draw. I think I like that. Uh, when I originally looked back at this hand before we got on call, I actually was like, "Yeah, okay, I like my I like my flat here." But for all the reasons we just talked about, I think I'm a fan of putting in a raise here. Okay, so should I imitate um, Casey now? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dummy! What's wrong with you? <laughs> Later. Um, so yeah, we did end up just calling. Okay. All right. Uh, which now makes the pot uh, 17. Point nine K. Okay. And the turn is the ten of hearts. So now we have three of hearts, five of spades, king of spades, ten of hearts. So two okay. spades, two hearts. Okay. Um, seems like a good card to me for our hand. Um, you know, a spade would have been a little bit concerning. A king would have been a really good card, I guess. Um, so I mean, this card seems super good to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically a brick unless. He has pocket tens exactly, mm-hmm. which, you know, if he does, then he just gets a lot of chips. You know, I don't have to worry yeah. about everything. So, yeah, I love the Ten of Hearts. It's a great card because he might bl- he might bet again. If he see bet the flop with something like ace queen, right? Suppose he bet the flop with he decided to do a continuation bet on this one high and two low card flop with something like ace queen, especially if he had the ace queen of spades right because he figures mm-hmm. well i can bet this card because killing bird will fold a lot because he probably doesn't have anything on this relatively dry board and i can barrel him if i pick up a flush draw on the turn so that could be kind of his general plan with something like ace queen off with the ace of spades and yep. now instead he picks up a little more equity with the ten of hearts giving him a gut shot that might inspire him to take another shot at this pot because you know, now he's got an overcard, a gut shot, right? So, uh, And because you just flatted, 
it's going to be hard for him to put you on a set, at least at this point. So I think this is an above-average turn card for our hand for all those reasons. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he checks, uh, which is kind of interesting because it feels like a really good barrel card for him with all the range we just talked about. Um, but he does indeed check. Yeah, we, well, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to like go crazy with his variance either. You know, you guys sure. both have big stacks. You know, t- more than two times the average stack at this stage in the tournament that has a lot of bad players in it. Um, so he doesn't really need to go up against the other chip leader uh, and just keep firing. So yeah, he can be especially. Checking. I mean, go not ahead. that he knows what we have, but this is an especially good card for him to check if he thinks he's going to get raised here a lot. Because if he has all this equity, you know, let's say he has ace queen of hearts or ace jack of spades or something, you know, something like that, he has so much equity that he does not want to get blown off of. Um, and certainly, if he had bet here, I'm sure now I would have raised because this board is getting wet now. Oh yeah. So it actually, you know, again, I don't know what he's thinking, but if he has those kind of hands, this is a really good spot for him to just check call. Yeah, and he can probably make more money. Like, if you floated him on the flop with something like, I don't know, let's say pocket eights. You know, are you just going to fold eights for one bet on king five tray? Right. You know? Uh, yeah. And now if he checks to you on the turn, you could be like, well, my eights are probably no good, but maybe I can turn him into a bluff here. Like, people do things. So sometimes checking a hand like ace-king here is uh, more profitable than betting it again because if he bets again, he's liable to lose you. When you have, you know, like a hand like pocket eights or even like a five, not three mm-hmm. of them, but say you have a pair of fives, um, you know, he could make more money by checking now. And then when you check back, he can put in a cute little value bet on the turn on the river and make a little more money with his like pair of kings when he has something like ace king or even pocket aces. I don't hate it because it's not really a three streets of value type of hand. Like if right. you have pocket aces and this board runs out really wet, you're not going to be comfortable putting in three barrels anyway. Because um, usually when you get action, you're beat. So, uh, yeah, I like I like him checking a lot of his range here, actually. I like his play. Yeah. So, like I said, he checks. I bet 7,200 into 17.9K. So I guess that's like a little under half. Yeah, I like it. I like that sizing a lot. Because uh, I don't really, you know, even... I mean, I want to get value... I want to protect a little bit against all those flush draws and straight draws and stuff, but I want him to call, even if he has those hands. Like, I want him to call here. So I don't want to go too big. Uh, so, yeah, I feel good on that sizing, uh, and he just flats. Yeah, all right, so I'm real happy with this. I like the sizing. We like that he just called. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm willing to go broke, just for the record. Like, if we get check <laughs> raised here, I'm never folding. Like, I'm not going to worry about pocket tens, pocket kings. Like we, mm. we don't, but to be clear, we do not have the nuts, right? You know? But a decent. Yeah, I would player, have definitely got it in there, 100 percent of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But a decent player could have, you know, could check raise you here with a hand that's beating you, and that's fine because he should also be doing that with something like what if he has what's the best hand to have? Queen Jack of Spades, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got like every yeah. out in the book, yep. and so you know, check raising that on the turn is fine. So. Yep. Uh, although players with this profile, with those numbers you mentioned, usually when they check raise the turn, I'm, I'm not too happy with five. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, so, but anyway, we don't have to worry about that because he just calls anyway. 
Yep. And so, and uh, so we go we good. go to the river with thirty two point three k in the pot, and the river is the Ace of Hearts. So now we have three of hearts, five of spades, king of spades, ten of hearts, ace of hearts. So that, you know, it turns out queen jack of spades or hearts would have been a great hand to have right now since we just talked about that. Yeah, so the um, queen jack got there. Yep. Uh, aces got there, if we want to call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we sucked out on aces on the flop and they just caught up here on the river. So um, of all the possible river cards... This one is not my favorite um, because we, you know, we do have those two hands are in our opponent's range here. So mm-hmm. now we're getting beat by realistically pocket aces, pocket uh, tens. Although I don't think tens would just check call the turn. I'm not too worried about. I'm more worried about aces and queen jack suited than I am mm-hmm. about other sets. I would agree completely. Okay. Kings possibly as played. Yeah, because he has the board locked up, so he's kind of afraid to like lose you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess some players would play kings this way. Um, although, but, yeah, I, I would say I agree. It's definitely one of our least, if not our least, yeah. favorite cards. But to be clear, guys, you should not play kings this way. Um, if you do flop top set on this board, you just want to bet, bet, bet. You know, I don't think there's much value in check calling the turn because you know you just you don't you don't want to be slow playing a hand that big. I understand like the fear of losing your opponent, but then at least check raise the turn because you have to yeah. make it possible to to felt someone set over set. And if you just check call the turn, you have way too many chips behind now. Yeah, and it goes back to kind of like the reverse of what we were talking about earlier. Like if he, if I have something like nines, he's not getting any more value out of me anyway. Or if I have, you know, uh, seven, six, seven of spades. Like if the river comes pretty much anything except a, a hand that makes me the nuts, I'm just, he's not getting more value from me. So he might as well check raise on the turn to yeah, get that value. Right. Yeah, know? and keep this in mind too, everybody. Like if you, if you bet and then your opponent folds, and your first impulse is to say, oh, I should have checked. You know, you might be way off about that because it's possible that if you checked, you still weren't going to get any money. Like the, mm-hmm. the cruel reality of poker is it takes two to tango. Like your, <laughs> opponent, your opponent needs to have a good hand, too. It's not yeah. enough for you to just flop a set of kings. You need the other guy to have three fives. And so if he's in that situation here and he check calls the turn, he's leaving so much money on the table. And that's when you should really be kicking yourself is when you could have gotten more value by betting or betting bigger. And instead you check trying to be cute and you end up letting the guy off the hook. So, yeah, I mean, I think the mistakes you want to make are bet too often, not check too often. Yeah, 100% agree. All right, cool. So, yeah, so 32.3K in the middle. Um, he checks the Ace of Hearts on the river. Right. Um, so, I, you know, we mentioned, I think we both agree this is a really bad card for us. But when he checks, I don't see myself ever not betting here. Yeah, I mean, that's just too nitty for me. I mean, like, we're worried about two hands, basically, Aces and Queen Jack suited. So, yeah. and I'm not even sure. I'm not even convinced that he has all the Queen Jack suited. In his range. Yeah. It's pretty much the the two suits that are on the board, I think. 
Right, and I'm not even sure that you know even pre-flop. Oh right, yeah. Is always opening every queen jack suited. I don't know. Yeah. With that 18, like you said, his pre-flop or his uh, V pip is 18. His uh, V pip is 23, but his pre-flop raise is 18. Okay, so it's 23. So yeah, he might have all the queen jack suited in there. I mean, depends on how he, you know, how he distributes that 23. I had those two numbers confused. All right, so yeah, 23. He's probably got all the queen jack suited. So, but nonetheless, I feel like it's still a good spot to bet. Right, and does um, he does he bet the flop king five tray with all the queen jack suited, or only the spades, or only the spades and hearts? Yeah, yeah I don't think queen jack of clubs is probably just going to check and fold. Yeah, I can say if it was me, I would only bet queen jack of spades, queen jack of hearts on the flop. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't mean other people won't do it differently. But I think that's still a pretty good standard to kind of yeah, because that's a reasonable strategy, right? Better. Because you yeah. you're betting basically a hand with very little equity. Yeah. Um, now you do only have one opponent, and you do need to see bet certain hands. But I I don't really think you need to always bet every queen jack suited on king five tray. I mean, if you don't have a spade in your hand, you don't have hearts in your hand. You can have some give ups. It's okay to have give ups, and a player with these numbers probably has give ups. You know, he's not just going to barrel and barrel and barrel every time. <laughs> like that's right. that's not a winning strategy. You got to yep. have some give ups, even when you were the pre flop raiser. So, yeah. Um, so we do indeed go ahead and bet. We bet half pot sixteen point one six zero k, and the villain jams. For oh 91.5K. <laughs> okay. So this is brutal. I mean, we really can't beat anything um, unless you think he would actually jam here with Ace-King. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think he would because he has to be worried about... Um, well, Ace-King has to be worried about sets. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and what's he getting called by if I don't have a set? Great question, or, or, right? Or, or, or that I backed my way into a flush or a straight, right? Oh wait, the hearts got there. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a question of what price am I getting, and how often, if ever, is my opponent bluffing? Because we have uh, basically this check raise jam turns my three fives into a bluff catcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. And it's so hard for him to get to the river with any bluffs at all, right? I mean, unless he has a flush draw. But what flush draws does he even have? Yeah, and the ones he does have are, I mean, I guess ace, like ace, queen of spades, but he's not going to turn that into a bluff. No, because he made a pair. Yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't really have, I, I really have trouble giving him any bluffs. And, I mean, unless, I mean, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so do you know what kind of pot odds you're being offered here? Uh, so let's see. It's going to be about 75K to win 140, so almost exactly 2 to 1. Yeah, yeah it's just that's really brutal because now your opponent needs to be bluffing. or your fi- Let's put it this way. Your fives need to be good at least 33% of the time just to break even on a call. Yeah. So we have a fold. And here. I just don't know if it is. No, it's a fold. I think it's a. I think it's a fold. I mean, if you have that in you and a two dollar tournament to check raise <laughs> bluff me on a river, and I can't even think of what bluffs you have in your range. Now, if this guy is crazy enough to think 
that he can get value if he has ace king. So he's bluffing with, or he's value betting with worse. That's really the only hand I can think of, though, is ace king, right? Mm -hmm. You have bottom, bottom set. So it just feels like pocket aces. Although it's a weird way for him to play aces just to check call the turn. No matter what he has, he's played it strangely. Yeah, unless I guess, I think maybe like set of kings kind of makes the most sense. I still would have done, I would do it differently. But of the, of like the aces, kings, tens type hands, that one makes the most sense to me. Um, but I still, I just have a feeling this is like queen jack suited. Yeah, well, either way, I fold. I just, you know, there's two hands we're worried about, and they both check raise shove the the river. Um, I can't find a bluff yeah. to give him. And he's not like a world beat. Like, you know, David Peters has a bluff here. <laughs> you know, Like some of the right. best players in the world will have somehow some bizarre bluff. You know, Elio Fox has a, you know, some of the best players on earth will will be balanced enough to have bluffs in their range here. This guy, I just don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the best in the world can say, oh, I can get this guy to fold a set of fives. Right. Yeah, and if a $2 I check jam this river. <laughs> a $2 tournament where you're yeah, not trying think... to get people to fold a set of fives. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's happening. So the reason I had mentioned earlier, um, A, about it being a $2 tournament, but also the fact that um, I had made it, ended up making a deep run in this is because in the in the moment of this hand happening, I remember saying sort of several things to myself. One is which I don't think this is a bluff. Um, and I remember also saying, you know, I think I think my words on my Twitch stream were, you know, sometimes when you're reviewing a hand, you'll say, if I was playing my best poker, I would fold this. But because it's a $5 tournament or whatever, you know what, I'll right. just call, re-enter if I need to, whatever. But I remember saying, if I was playing my best poker, and it kind of clicked in my head, I'm like, well, why don't I just do that? <laughs> why don't I just play my best poker? Um, and then on top of that, the fact that even when I fold here, I still have 120K. I have like 3X everybody at the table except the guy we just lost the pot to in a very soft field. So why do I need to lose another 75K here when I can just go back to work and earn back the 30,000 chips that I invested in the pot? You know. Well, you should really pat yourself on the back for finding this fold. I don't think every player can find the fold here. But I think as we talk about it, there's just there's no way fives are good 33% of the time. I don't yeah. think they're good 2% of the time. <laughs> I agree. I think literally the only bluff we beat is ace-king. Well, if we if we even think that's a bluff. The only hand I think that we beat is ace-king. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think he has that, to be honest. No, it just doesn't no. feel like the right play for him with ace-king. I think ace-king might go ahead and bet the river. Um, it might even check raise small, but that's even a little dodgy. I think check shoving when you have him covered, I think it's just a terrible play with Ace King. And this player profile, you know, you having those numbers and having the observations you made of his style, you know, it just doesn't seem like he's spewy enough yeah. to to do that without the nuts are close to it and Ace King is just too far away. Uh yeah, from the nuts. I feel like it's pocket aces played in a strange way or queen jack yeah queen jack right. suited yeah so good for you folding it man that's awesome so yeah, we found the fold and we felt uh pretty good about it well i think if we go back to 
October 15th, 2010. And we, <laughs> and we listened to you doing a strategy segment with Casey back then. Uh, that, that Derek is not folding a, a set of fives here. <laughs> nope. Not in a million years. So that's one thing that's happened in 10 years. <laughs> I can remember, honestly, there was a, po- a point in my career where I just said, look, I just don't fold sets. Right. It just, it just really just doesn't matter what happens. If I flop a set and they end up beating me, then hey, that's just unlucky. <laughs> yeah, it's unlucky. And I can go cry to my friends about how I lost with a set. Can you believe it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so unlucky. Yeah, I'm so so, yeah. unlucky. Yeah, so I thought that like, was a fun hand. Yeah, that is a fun hand. And I'm proud of you for laying it down. I do have the usual curiosity about what exactly he had. But you know what? If he's that good to, to bluff us here, he's that how, why the hell is he playing a two dollar buy in? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. <laughs> and he and he deserves the chips, but seriously, yeah. why? He could just he could just be twenty tabling and he's like, I play everything. I don't care what the buy in is. <laughs> Which isn't a bad strat right now. Yeah, I mean I guess I'm I'm trying to push my limits to um how many tables I can have going at once. Um I do apologize for those who have been uh asking me to do another stream. I got a couple of messages um, that people enjoyed the stream that I did, even though my, my, you know, my, my stream was very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but a lot of frames were being dropped. That's what I was told by my software that I was dropping frames left and right. And it just, you know, it was like real like clunky. I just need a better system here. I don't really have a home computer. I just have my little laptop um, which isn't very strong. It's only like a $300 laptop, so it doesn't really do the trick. So if I'm going to get serious about this online poker stuff, I may just have to go ahead and uh, invest in some better hardware here so that I can bring a, a, a Twitch stream that people will actually want to watch. There um, we go. You yeah. know, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I like watching yours, too. I like when you're 12 beers in. <laughs> <laughs> Making poker fun again, sometimes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, doesn't he have to pee? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, occasionally, I, you know, the first four or five hours, I only have to go out every hour break, but then eventually it's just kind of like, all right, every 30 minutes, I just gotta miss a couple hands. I miss a few hands because nature calls. <laughs> well, it's not exactly nature when you're poisoning yourself, but that's true story. Um, also, I want to answer here on the podcast. Uh, a few people have tweeted me. Um, that they saw somebody named Clayton Comic in their ACR tables, and yes, that is me. Okay, I'm no, nowhere near famous enough for someone to be impersonating me on America's <laughs> Card Room. Okay, I'm I'm the only Clayton Comic that you will find. So, uh, yeah, and if you're if you're there with me, uh, you know, send me a tweet or whatever. I don't really look at the chat in on the screen because I just I usually have too many tables going, but um, I do look at my Twitter on breaks. So it's always fun when a podcast listener is at the table. Um, and, yeah, so nice. I'm going to be on there a little bit more than I have in the past. And so, therefore, I hope there aren't too many bots, and I hope the game is fair, and I hope that when I bink <laughs> something, I'll be able to cash out. But there you go. our conversation today made me feel a little better about all of that stuff. So Cool. Yeah. Well, I um, hope to see you at one of my tables soon. How about this Sunday uh, for the big – 10 year anniversary party. I can I can throw in a dollar 65 and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, we'll clash. We can clash in that one. Yeah, sounds good. So tell everybody uh again where they can find the information for registering. You said it's going to be just a couple minutes before 8 o'clock Eastern this Sunday. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, whatever works best for them in terms of like 
what they're most comfortable. You know, if you don't have a Twitch account, you don't want to bother with that. That's fine. That'll be the most immediate place because I can literally repeat it over and over again 20 times. But if not that, just tune into the Tournament Poker Edge forum or Facebook or Twitter and write, you know, at it starts at 8, so at like 7.58, I'll literally have it already pre-typed. I'll send it out on every one of those platforms right before the tournament starts, and you can just start hitting the register button. And so I know they, it's not perfectly convenient. but Right. So for the Twitter users, should they use Killing Bird? Um, I'll send it from Killing Bird and from Tournament Poker Edge. Fantastic. So either one. Um, the one thing that I will say, and this is not me trying to boost up my Twitch numbers, I promise, um, that's the one place where you'll be able to sort of chat live with me and other people who are you know tpe members and stuff so if you kind of want to have some banter and maybe talk a little crap at the tables and stuff that'll be a good place to do it um but again you'll be able to get the password at pretty much every platform that we're on i'm gonna i'm gonna launch it all out at the exact same time so so twitter killing bird twitch killing bird yep um facebook is at tournament well facebook.com slash tournament poker edge uh, and then, of course, tournamentbookredge.com, and then just click on the forums link. Yeah, so if you guys join uh, this Sunday for the 10-year anniversary uh, party tournament on America's Card Room, let us know that you heard about it here on the podcast and that uh, you know, you're know you rooting for me to put a serious bad beat on Derek uh, so yes. that all of his Twitch followers can hate me. <laughs> Oh, that, that reminds me. I almost forgot. Somebody in the forums proposed that the winner of this tournament should get to come on the podcast. As a That's a great guest. idea. Yeah. That'd be fun, right? I'm all for it. Um, as long as they speak English, <laughs> I'm, <Yes>. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and there's, I figure there's also a chance that the person who finishes first won't know that he gets to come on the podcast. So we'll kind of give them a chance to like make themselves known. And if they don't, we'll go to the second place person or something. Right. So if it ends up being the 18th place finisher, we know that people are afraid to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We'll be like, congratulations for finishing 18th. You get to be on the podcast. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> well, this was really fun and a little longer than we're used to. But I don't know, Derek, when you and I get together, we just we have a lot to talk about. And uh, it doesn't happen often enough, but maybe with everybody being on lockdown, we can get some more Killing Bird here on the podcast. Yeah, I know we've been trying to connect for a while, so we had a lot of catching up to do. So it was good to, to sort of get caught up. And, I'm, and like I said, I'm so glad that you and your family are well. And uh, let's keep it that way. And I hope to see you on Sunday. Thanks, man. Same to you. So for Derek Tenbush and for everybody here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you all so much for listening.
Nobody. 